And so through our WBAs, our PNC Certified Women's Business Advocates, they represent the bank on the front line. So, you know, your banker could be a WBA and, you know, understands the challenges and is attuned to the opportunities and, you know, is really passionate about supporting women and, you know, helping to accelerate women's financial equality. As PNC's Director of Women's Business Development, Beth Marcello helps women thrive in their businesses. For nearly 20 years, she ran a successful PR writing firm, helping diverse clients achieve their goals by simplifying ideas and using pointed messaging. At PNC, Beth acts as an intrapreneista by leading the charge to help women-led businesses grow at scale. Part of that initiative is Women in Business Week, a week full of webcasts that Courtney and I are honored to be speaking at this year. Coming up, Beth shares her early experience with journalism and launching her own business, why Beth was inspired to join PNC and lead their efforts in women's business development. You'll hear more about PNC's opportunities to empower women. Beth shares her take on how PR and communications have evolved over the last decade. And finally, how you can tune in to PNC's Women in Business Week. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Beth, we are so excited to sit down and finally have this conversation together. We met, it seems, many months ago now, so I feel like this has been a long time coming. To start, I would love if you could share a bit about how you got into the public relations field. You've had such an incredible career and journey in PR, and what really led you to that? Well, I think, as you know, I had my own PR writing practice for about 20 years before I came to PNC. And, you know, I think it's probably pretty simple. I was really bad at math and I was really good at writing. <laughs> and so that informed my, you know, my college career. I, um, I have a degree in journalism and communications from a school here in Pittsburgh, Point Park University. I, I got a great journalism degree and instruction, but my first internship was in public relations, actually for a company, I don't know how many of your uh, listeners will recognize Rockwell International. I'm pretty old. So when I was uh, interning for Rockwell, it was the era of the space shuttle and Rockwell was the prime contractor for the space shuttle. So it was a really interesting time to be an intern at Rockwell. And I interned in their PR department. And so that really just started to shape the path it led to my next internship and then led to my first job. And there you have it. <laughs> At what point did you start your own company? 
it was a little bit by necessity. Uh, so I didn't say to myself, okay, I'm going to, you know, start a PR business. But I had my first job out of school for quite a number of years. I loved it. And then I went to work with a friend of mine. Um, and that lasted maybe only about a year and a half. It was a really interesting experience. Uh, but it probably was not uh, smart for me to uh, work with somebody who was a friend. Um, and I say that knowing that I think the two of you were friends before you yes, joined together. <laughs> so I didn't have the same positive experience. Um, although, you know, I had an experience that, you know, once again, informed what happened next. And I found myself sort of unemployed, but with good friends in the business, I started freelancing. I got a, another job in government relations. I hated that job. And at the same time, my freelance clients kept wanting to give me more and more work. And so I made the decision to go out on my own. And, and then I stayed in that realm for nearly 20 years. And, you know, it's interesting now that I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, as you say, uh, I have some real thoughts about what I did before and what I, you know, what I do now, even though I, I loved being in the work every day. I loved having my clients. I was really happy with the work until I had this opportunity crop up at PNC. And also because I began to feel when I made the transition that things were changing, right? When I started my career, we had fax machines, you know, we had word processors. We didn't have like email and everything at our fingertips. And so my work was changing, but also my client and my clients and how I was interacting with them was changing. And so I really felt the need to, you know, that it was just time to evolve. And that having been on my own for about 20 years that I had, you know, I had proven myself and I was ready for the next thing. You know, I'm guessing that a lot of your listeners will, would have been ready for the next thing a lot sooner than I was, but, you know, sort of a, a different time, I think. We have many entrepreneurs we speak with that have left the corporate world to start their own business. And we have also met many entrepreneurs that have started their own business and like you decided to then go back into the, the corporate world, but still have the opportunity to really act like entrepreneurs within their organization. What was one of the most challenging things for you about going from, you know, being an entrepreneur to then working in corporate again? It was hard. It was really hard because before I made the decision, I thought, you know, I, you know, thought of all the pros and cons and I knew why I was making the move and that was great. And I never regretted it, but it, you know, I encountered, I would say just challenges that I hadn't expected. One of them is people would often say to me, oh my God, it must be so nice to, you know, work in the, this company and get this salary every, you know, other week and uh, not worry about how you were going to, you know, pay your bills. And I said, no, <laughs> it's, it's the opposite because, you know, I had been on my own for a long time. So I didn't worry about how I was paying my bills. I knew how I was paying my bills. I had great clients and a great business. And I felt in some ways that I then had become dependent on this company, that instead of having like 10 or 20 clients who paid my bills, I now only had one. And that felt really, really scary. So it, it took, well, 
I don't know that I've ever really gotten past that, to be honest with you, because I think you know that I teach a class, a PR writing class at the University of Pittsburgh. I started teaching that class before I joined the bank, uh, which was 16 years ago. I'm still teaching that class. So in some ways, I love teaching that class because it allows me to stay current. It allows me to connect with young people. But part of that is just sort of like, I don't know, always in the back of my mind, a plan B (laughs) in case the bank doesn't want me to work for them anymore. I can at least start (laughs) my practice up with teaching my class. So it was, you know, that idea of being dependent was challenging for me. What drew you to want to work for PNC? Of course, PNC is an incredible organization and we've partnered together because of the incredible work that PNC does for women. But what was your initial draw? Well, a predecessor bank to PNC was my was my client. So I knew the organization really well. And they were creating this opportunity, this women's business development practice. They were starting it up from the ground. And so right away, the idea of being able to, you know, leverage the company's resources to support women and women who own businesses was really attractive to me. And I was, I was ready for a change. And, you know, as I was getting older, the idea of having someone else contribute to my 401k, that was pretty attractive too, because, you know, when you work for yourself, no one's helping you out there. So it, it was nice joining the company and having those personal resources, but also those resources to apply to the, to the work that I thought I would find fulfilling. And I, in fact, have found very fulfilling. Have you been able to bring your entrepreneurial spirit to the different initiatives that you're responsible for? That's a really good question. I I mean, yes, the answer is yes, but obviously it's different inside the bank. You don't just get a great idea and run with it, right? There's a lot of buy-in that you need to accumulate. Uh, you have to present it to a lot of people. Uh, you have to get a great idea and then figure out how it's going to fit into you know the greater work. But yes, definitely you know, I'm here today because the bank has been uh, really receptive to the work that we're doing. And also, you know, the bank recognizes that more and more often our customers are women, women who have mortgages, women who have investment accounts, women who are own businesses, women who are making financial decisions for really large companies and organizations. So across the board, the bank knows how important female financial decision makers are to our success and growth. Absolutely. I feel like everyone I know in my life and that I've surrounded myself with women, we are all the ones that are making the decisions about our business and in our, in our personal life. So definitely agree with you. Can you share some of the work that you've done supporting women at PNC that you've really been most proud of? You may know that we have a network of right now, more than 4,000 individuals, both men and women, but individuals who self-identify as PNC certified women's business advocates. And I would say that building and growing uh, and supporting that network is what I'm most proud of. And, And it's because of our WBAs, I believe that PNC is just often recognized as doing more for women than, you know, some of our competitors or some other organizations. 
And it's because we've we've always had this uh, idea that we were going to act and deliver, not talk and spend. So we didn't want to, you know, simply sponsor an organization and, you know, write a check and move on to the next thing. We really wanted to be able to engage and activate. And so through our WBAs, our PNC Certified Women's Business Advocates, they represent the bank on the front line. So, you know, your banker could be a WBA and, you know, understands the challenges and is attuned to the opportunities and, you know, is really passionate about supporting women and, you know, helping to accelerate women's financial equality. So that network that continues to grow. And I mentioned, it's not just women. It's not just women supporting women. It's, you know, this idea that we recognize as an organization that more and more often our customers are women. And so we have, you know, 30% of our, you know, 4,000 WBAs are men because men recognize that they can, you know, be supportive as well. That is incredible. Can you share some lessons you learned during your early stages of your career? You know, I think one of the things that I learned was to really know your audience. And I should know that, right? Because PR writing is all all about knowing your audience. And I can share a story when I first joined the bank. You know, I had a great team and I had a great network. And there was a gentleman who served as the chair of the Women's Business Development Advisory Board. And I was really charged when I went into the bank to, you know, identify there were lots of organizations even then that supported, you know, women who owned small businesses, but there weren't very many organizations that, you know, of executive women where executive women came together. But I found one that I thought really aligned with what we were trying to do at the bank. But when I presented it, I thought it was a slam dunk in my head, right? And also an entrepreneur, here's a good example of here's a great idea. We're going to run with this. But when I presented it, I just didn't cross the T's and dot the I's and I didn't convey the opportunity. I didn't convey the excitement it didn't land so cleanly and I got shot down. So I had to, you know, go back and, you know, approach it from a different perspective. We ultimately did do the sponsorship with this organization and we were a sponsor for a good 10 years, but I had to go back and start much smaller and get more buy-in and build the relationship over time. Uh, So that idea of just really not presuming and knowing your audience is something that, that I'm always reminded of now. I had taken that leap and, you know, got my hand slapped a little bit. You think about that now, every time you're about to present something big, it just reminds you, make sure you have everything uh, prepared and put together. So you're going to get that buy-in on the first try. Right, exactly. And, you know, talk to a few more people before, you know, I have this great idea, we should do this build some alliances and build a case and uh, make sure you have your ducks in a row before you, before you go in there and expect someone to, you know, say great idea, Beth, <laughs> let's, let's run with it. No, absolutely. I, I think about that. I'm like, oh my goodness, for coming from, you know, our perspective, Courtney and I will come up with an idea and we'll be like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go try it right now. And it's like done in two seconds, but definitely definitely different in a, in a corporate setting as well. But I think the, the lesson there too, you know, it is important no matter what you're presenting or ideas that you're coming up with to be sure that it is really well thought out. You know, we're all about just, you know, testing and learning and trying things, but even if you're going to spend time doing that, 
really just making sure that things make sense before you just jump in and do something. So definitely a good lesson there. I would love if you could share a little bit about how PR and communications has really changed for you over the past 10 years. I know you just mentioned before, you know, when you first started, it was phone calls and fax machines. Of course, now we have, you know, social media and press releases over the wire and things are just very different. How has that really impacted you in your career and the way that you've approached PR and communications? That's a really good question. I mean, going back to my story about, you know, how I knew it was time to to do something else. One of the changes that I started to feel in my own practice was, first of all, the phone quit ringing. And it wasn't because I wasn't busy or wasn't still getting business, but there was, you know, a pretty dramatic shift from, you know, meeting people for lunch and having in-person meetings. And that was the way that you did business and communicated and on the phone as well to send me an email or let's, let's communicate by email. And that, that didn't feel as fulfilling. And it felt a little bit frightening back then to making such a big shift and sort of that, you know, that quietness was the first clue that things were really changing. But my gosh, you kind of outlined it, right? When I started my career, and I know this is going to make me sound really old, but here I, you know, I I live in Pittsburgh, I sit in Pittsburgh, and we had, you know, a couple of major television stations, we had two daily newspapers, I worked downtown, and there was a, a, a weekly newspaper downtown. And at the time, I worked for this quasi government agency. So, you know, I was hyper local focused on media. Um, but we hand delivered press releases, you know, and then we had bicycle messenger and fax machine. And, and now, you know, you press a button and you can send your message all over the world. You have such an opportunity to tailor your message to different audiences today, where everything was in the past, just a, a public announcement and audiences had to find that for themselves. But now it's the opposite, right? That you deliver your message directly to the audience. So this pace of it is also, you know, astounding how things move. And it can be exhausting, I think, sometimes to have that 24-hour uh, cycle and recognizing that, you know, our audience at PNC, we're a domestic bank, is national. But, you know, for many of the entrepreneurs, their audience is international, right? It, it's 24-7. Amazing changes. Beth, sharing a bit about social and wanting to grow your audience and community is definitely a great segue into our partnership together. We've been so excited to have the opportunity to be able to be part of your Women in Business Week and speak and share our story to you know your PNC community and other women business owners and leaders. Can you share a little bit more about Women in Business Week and what people can expect from getting involved? Absolutely. And we're so excited that you and Courtney are keynoting Women in Business Week. So women, this is our 12th annual Women in Business Week coming up May 9th through the 13th at PNC. And Women in Business Week, you know, like, like life has evolved over the years. And a couple of years ago, really, as a result of the pandemic, we used to focus, you know, on 
internally educating our employees, encouraging them to get out in their communities and meet with women and, you know, have lunches and watch parties. We often did maybe one keynote event uh, during the week. And during the pandemic, when we were planning for our May event, of course, everyone will know that, you know, the world shut down. So we couldn't have our typical women in business week. And later that year, right about the point where I thought we're just going to have to scrap this. I'm like, wait a minute, why can't we do a whole week of virtual programming? And that was so successful, both with our customers, but also with our employees and our bankers that we've continued to each year develop this whole week of virtual programming. And so this year we have eight virtual programs. Of course, your conversation coming up with our head of small business, Alex Overstrom, is one is the keynote event during that week, but we have Seven other programs where we have, uh, you know, drawn on our relationships with some customers, but with organizations that we have partnerships with to bring really rich content to our, our audience of female financial decision makers. And again, you know, thinking about, you know, a woman professional in a company to an entrepreneur, to a woman who's making decisions for very large companies, we really believe that we have content that will resonate with with everyone. And you're invited to join one or all eight of the webcasts. And you can get information about that uh, by going to pnc.com slash women or pnc.com slash business webcasts. And you can also go there for replay. So if you're listening to this after May 9th through the 13th, um, you can go to those sources and find the recordings of the eight virtual programs. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And we're just so excited to be involved this year. I know that planning any type of virtual event or week or summit can definitely be a very big undertaking. There's so many logistics that are involved. And I, I actually think there's even more logistics that are involved when you're planning something virtually than in person. Can you share a little bit about the process and, and undertaking of planning such a, a large event? It is a large event. And even though we've been doing it for 12 consecutive years, you know, we kind of know the pieces and parts, but there it's still a pretty heavy lift. You know, key for successful women in business week though is creating and communicating internally within the bank because it's our employees and specifically our bankers and our women's business advocates and our market champions that, you know, get excited and then uh, cascade that information through the market. A big component of Women in Business Week has always been, and thankfully will be again this year after a two-year hiatus, a lot of watch parties and a lot of events and activities in addition to the virtual programming that are happening all across our footprint where, where they're inviting you know women to uh, luncheon events or to a watch party, or we're hosting or sponsoring some other kind of activity with another organization. And so that opportunity for women to come together to, you know, network and share experiences and meet each other and meet us. PNC is a huge component. So that communication is very, very important, intrinsic to a good women in business week. And then, 
one event is a lot of work, but we're essentially doing eight events. And so a lot of technology and lining up speakers and reaching out to our bankers and our partners and, you know, creating, you know, soliciting ideas, like what do you think would be a great program that people would sign up for. So a lot of ideation and then a lot of execution. Uh, but fortunately I have, you know, great folks, great collaborators within the bank. So I'm not doing it all myself, <laughs> but it is, it is different logistics than if you were setting tables and ordering flowers, but a lot of technical resources that go into pulling off uh, such a big event. Was the event always virtual or was it in person before COVID? There were more in-person events and we had evolved to one, you know, live streamed event. And we've had some big, well-known names serving as keynote speakers in the past. And our teams would rally around that one day, that one event, and again, host a lot of watch parties, but it, we never considered you know, as did many organizations, right? We just didn't really consider that that people would sign up for virtual programming. And that was a great lesson uh, that came out, I think, of the pandemic, that everyone got comfortable being on their computer, listening to podcasts like this one, or watching, you know, video presentations, or, you know, Zoom, or WebEx, or whatever platform it is, people became comfortable with it. And that really enabled us to see the big picture, right? That we we didn't have to have an event where we brought people into one location and set up a stage and, you know, made it a big production. We could, you know, send a link and people could come on and we could have a really meaningful conversation and we could invite people all across the country or on another continent to join us online where we could have a rich conversation. So in that way, I think the pandemic opened up so many possibilities for us. So for example, one of our programs during Women in Business Week is uh, the business of the arts, how women set the stage. And so our speakers are coming to us from Dallas, from Cleveland, from St. Louis, and from Pittsburgh. So I think a couple of years ago, we wouldn't, you know, that would have been an even bigger logistical feat, right? To just for one program to fly all those people in and, you know, have a pre-call and it would have been much more complicated, but now it's easy. I think we've just all found so many, you know, amazing learning lessons and opportunities through everything that we've all been through over the past couple of years. And that's definitely a big one and something that Courtney and I are speaking about when, when we do our keynote, really just the power of community and connection and collaboration. You know, we've all been able to meet so many women over the past few years that we would have never been able to meet or connect with otherwise and would have never have ended up on a, probably would have never ended up on a Zoom together. And one of the reasons why we started our Entrepreneurista League community exactly a year ago um, is because of this, you know, everyone was longing for connection and collaboration and community and people couldn't go meet in person anymore. And we were getting messages on Instagram and through email. And we knew we had to create this platform and community to bring everyone together and love that, you know, businesses, entrepreneurs, everyone's been able to find ways to just really make the best of the situation. And in many cases, make it even better than it was before. <laughs> 
one of the things that's so great about this year's Women in Business Week, again, you know, our employees are getting back to the office and they're, you know, hosting events again, both within the bank and they're meeting other places. And so, you know, this year will be really our first experience to see the full richness. You know, in the past, maybe they had one event that they could create a watch party around. Now they have, you know, eight if they want to. And then we will record all of our webcasts. And so there's that opportunity to come together, you know, with people to listen and watch a webcast well after the fact. So it has much more, you know, many more legs than what we were experiencing in the past. Beth, what would you say you're most proud of to date in your career? You know, It's hard for me sometimes to realize that I've been in this role at the bank for 16 years. I'm sure that's going to sound like a long time for people, you know, that I've been in this role. So much has changed since I joined the bank 16 years ago, but I was older when I joined the bank. So I wasn't coming out of school looking to accelerate my career. I joined the bank because I saw the opportunity to do something meaningful. And so the fact that PNC is so often recognized as a leader in supporting women is something that I'm really proud of. I think had, you know, had we not established women's business development, you know, if I wasn't, you know, in this role for so long to keep pushing along the way, I don't know that we would be where we are today. So it feels good to, you know, to be recognized for our work on a podcast with entrepreneurs like you and Courtney, who are clearly taking women to the next level. So that's exciting to be recognized in that way. No, I love that. You have done so much to help women. What is your hope for the future of women in the next five years? I think I mentioned Project 257 and Project 257 is a brand, if you will, that we launched uh, last year in 2021, Project 257, Accelerating Women's Financial Equality. And that 257 comes from the World Economic Forum's uh, 2020 Global Gender Gap Report that said that if we continued, we, the global we, continued at the current pace of project progress, it would still take women 257 years to catch up to men from from an economic perspective. And there are several things driving that huge gap, but certainly my hope is that, you know, five years from now, that number is going to be a lot smaller than 257. And, you know, my my hope is uh, because we at PNC have uh, embraced tackling this gap, narrowing this gap, that we will be able to play a role in, you know, starting to close that economic gender gap for women. It's so important. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared that and brought that up. And it's incredible that PNC is involved in that. I was thinking, Beth, back to what you were saying before about just the changes and advancement and, and technology and communications, and of course, everything changing with social media. What that has also done has really allowed women business owners to really start businesses so much faster because there is this technology that's there that allows you to actually just basically decide right now, if you want to start a business and go into business, you can do it very quickly. Have you seen a really big increase in the number of 
women that are starting businesses and coming into the branch and opening accounts? What have you seen? That's a good question. You know, I haven't, I haven't looked at the statistics, so I don't know what we've seen as a jump, but to your point, the pandemic spurred a lot of innovation. So it would not surprise me that we're seeing that. I think that the statistics for women-owned businesses have really continued to grow over the past two, two decades, you know, sort of going back to the Women's Business Ownership Act, which I think was just 35 years ago that Congress passed HR 5050. That name wasn't by accident. HR 5050 that said that women no longer needed to get a male co-signer, a male relative co-signer on a business loan. And that was sort of the first, uh, the, you know, the floodgates opened then when it became less hard for women to get money to finance a business, then you really saw those numbers increasing. And frankly, those were the numbers that were responsible for the creation of, you know, the women's business development practice at the bank. And then sort of the next iteration is technology made it so much easier for anybody, but for women in particular to start businesses and then even intensified during the pandemic, because now we also now realize that we didn't necessarily need an office to go to, right? We could get an awful lot done wherever we were. And that brought down the costs of starting a business as well. So definitely the numbers continue to grow. And, you know, we want to support that. We still recognize that there are there are more small women-owned businesses that I would like to see become larger women-owned businesses. And so that, you know, they do need the support of networks like Entreprenista. They need good mentors and role models. They do need capital. And they also need to not be afraid to think big. And, you know, sort of grow that business. I, I would say that's one of the lessons that, I don't know if it's a lesson, but something that I have observed about my own work. When I got to the bank, I really began to realize that I didn't have a business. PR Rating Inc. was, you know, technically it was a business, but it wasn't so much a business as it was I had replaced my income. I had a practice, maybe not a business. And thinking about it, I, I wish that I had you know, maybe a network like Entreprenista, or we support the Women Presidents Organization at the bank, or now there are more communities for women to support and urge each other on. And I just don't think that I really, you know, I said, oh, I don't want to manage people, but maybe I was just afraid to do that, or I didn't know that I could do that, or I don't know why I didn't do it, but I didn't. And I had a good, a good living and built a good career. But if I was to do it again, I might do something differently this time. No, it's so interesting to hear you say that and really important to, you know, have that perspective looking back. And that's really why we've created the community that we have, because when Courtney and I first started Social Fly, we learned very early on, like you can't do a business by yourself. I mean, you can, and you can absolutely have a business on your own, but if you surround yourself with other people, you gain new perspectives, connections, networks, and can look at things through a different perspective that you might not have had on your own. And of course, open yourself up to a whole world of potential opportunities. So it's really interesting to hear you say that and, and looking back what you, what you wish you had done. And again, why we, why we started Entreprenista, why we have our community and definitely would, would always encourage everyone to to join and, and be part of something. 
I just was talking to someone last night, as a matter of fact, where she was telling me about her business and that she loved just doing the work that she, that she was doing, that she didn't want to manage people. She sounded like me all of those years ago. And so I just encouraged her not to be, not to limit herself right? To think about there is going to be a time where, you know, she could only make as much as she could, as many hours as she could bill, right? You know, you could keep raising your prices, but that's going to have a ceiling as well. So if you really want to be able to grow opportunities, even for yourself, you get to a point where you do need to hire somebody and take that next step, which is bold. But my observation is in working with customers that you take that one step, you hire your first employee, it gets a little easier to hire your second and third, right? Absolutely. And I will say though, you know, for everyone in business and starting a business for some people, it, if that's the business that you want, where it's just you, and that's the business that you're building, like that's okay. You know, you don't have to say, I want to build a business to be, you know, hundred million dollars in revenue. Like that doesn't necessarily define success. I believe what defines success is what you want for yourself, for your life. So there should never be, you know, a pres- pressure for someone to feel like, you know, you have to go out and build this huge business to be a success. I think success for any woman in business is really whatever it looks like to you and what you create for yourself. And there'll always be the community and resources around you to support whatever that may look like. Yep, that's right. And lifestyle business isn't a pejorative, right? It's uh, everybody has a lifestyle business, whether whether it's one person or whether it's, uh, you know, 50 people, that's the lifestyle that you have that you've chosen. All right, Beth, we're going to do a few rapid fire questions. The first word or words that come to your mind. Are you ready? All right. All right, here we go. <laughs> How would your friends describe you in three words? In three words. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, but they hopefully fun, uh, loyal, uh, maybe responsible. I'm thinking about my Gallup strengths. I don't know that that's the oh, way they we would love Gallup strengths finders. <laughs> describe me, but. My strengths are, you know, I think the way I see myself, they turned out the way I see myself. Loyal. I think they would describe me as loyal. Would you prefer to stay in and watch a movie or go out? Oh man, I used to prefer to go out. I think I still prefer to go out, although I haven't been out to a movie for two years. I can't remember the last time I was in a theater either. (laughs) That's a good question though. What is your favorite app on your phone that you cannot live without? Probably, I don't know, the weather. <laughs> Important one. <laughs> because I track weather here and I track weather in Cape May, New Jersey, another one of my favorite. I love places. Cape May too. What's your favorite exercise? My favorite exercise. I'm not a big fan of exercise. So I, we love bike riding. And then I also train with a trainer uh, once a week. And so I really do love that appointment, but probably bike riding. Sweet or salty? I like them both together. Me too. <laughs> like chocolate covered pretzels. There you go. <laughs> Ditto. And you see, we're asking all the hard hitting questions here, Beth. These are really important. <laughs> Lastly, what would you say is your superpower? I think my superpower is maybe one of my strengths as well. It's uh, my number one strength, Gallup strength is a ranger. And so that idea of connecting people, I think is my superpower. All right, back to our regular questions here. What would you say, Beth, that our listeners would be very surprised to know or learn about you? 
people are always, always surprised whenever I tell them that my first real job, I was a waitress at a truck stop. And it actually still to this day is one of my favorite jobs. How come? What did you learn there? I loved being with people. And I also love the instant gratification of being a waitress. So I still, you know, when I retire, I want to waitress at this little coffee shop in Cape May, New Jersey. <laughs> I love the, you know, talking to people and just, you know, serve them. They leave you a tip. New customer comes in. What's the name of the coffee shop? I was in Cape May for a week last summer and I had the best time. It's the Lobster House coffee shop. So if people know Cape May, New Jersey, it's the lobster house is a bit of a conglomerate with a Mm -hmm. deck and an inside restaurant and the schooner boat. And then there's this little tiny coffee shop. That's only a counter. It probably only has like 15 or 20 stools and it's only open breakfast and lunch. And I love to go there for breakfast and, you know, sit at the, sit at the counter and Yes, I imagine that, which very would similarly replicate my truck stop experience serving at the counter. Well, send them this podcast recording so they know that when you retire. <laughs> yeah, you're and, going to- <laughs> and my mom goes there all the time, so you might run into her one day. <laughs> I always eye up the servers and think, oh, like I wonder. The other, the one of the last times I was there, I met someone who uh, was new. She, I, I kind of felt like you had to be in the organization for a while and then graduate to the counter because I consider this to be like the the coveted job. Uh, but she was brand new and you know older, and she's working the counter. And you know maybe there's hope for me that I can still get this job <laughs> at the Lobster House. You know when I'm done at PNC. <laughs> well, Beth, you have been an entrepreneur in your career, an intrapreneur. What does that mean to you? Well, I recommend both experiences. I know earlier you had said that I think that more people do, do have a corporate career and then they uh, go off on their own. And I did it the opposite way. You know, being an entrepreneurista is a wonderful way to affect change. And, you know, we have all of these employees at PNC that feel proud of our support for women. They're proud that they can call themselves a PNC certified women's business advocate. And so to be able to create that change inside an organization is really fulfilling. So I recommend both opportunities in your career. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your career journey, your entrepreneurship journey, your intrapreneurship journey, and all of the incredible things that PNC is doing. Where can everyone find you, follow you and PNC, and of course, tune in to Women in Business Week? Uh, great question. So people can learn more about Women in Business Week at pnc.com slash women or pnc.com slash business webcast. Today, May 9th is the first day of Women in Business Week. So there are programs at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can uh, tune in and of course, get the replays at those same URLs. You could also follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, follow PNC or follow me on uh, those channels as well. 
Thank you for sharing all of those handles, Beth. We will be sure to link out to everything in the show notes below. So if you want to tune in to Women in Business Week, and of course, listen to our keynotes, uh, Courtney and I are going to be sharing all about how we built our businesses and built our entrepreneurship community. So you can definitely tap the link in the show notes. Beth, thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.